the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, invested in more. Best time to buy things? Worst time to buy things? Summer has ended, and thus, camping season is over. So the best time to buy camping gear, fishing gear, tents, hiking shoes? Right now, 60 to 70% off. Costumes? Halloween costumes are in high demand in October. They're in higher demand, in November, uh, higher supply in uh, November, less demand. Last year's inventory right now gets you the lowest prices. Shop online is probably the way to do it. Barbecue grills, you can get 50% off at companies like Home Depot based on, you know, rebates and other issues. No one wants to buy a grill when it's getting rained on. Uh, wait a little longer to buy cold weather apparel. You're not going to see any deep discounting on winter clothes until at least November. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, Chief Market Analyst. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thank you. So what's the word on Wall Street these days? Uh, it seems like September's not, it's not feeling to be the best month. Uh, it's not. You know, we haven't had a great September. Uh, I think we were down about 1.3% entering today and uh, kind of about a little, little flat uh, somewhat today. But, you know, I mean, September has a history of, of not being the greatest month. You know, according to the stock traders, Almanac. It is uh, ranked as the worst performing month for the S&P 500 on average, uh, dating back to 1950. Um, a lot of theories as to why that is. Uh, one popular one is just that coming out off the summer holidays, um, you know, fund managers come in and they kind of like sit there and they they reassess things and they start looking. Uh, ahead, to, you know, to the year ahead, and trying to uh, rebalance portfolios, perhaps for what they think is going to play out in the next uh, 12 months or so. Um, so you're getting some of that, I think, kicking in here, and and then of course you just you know have to be cognizant. I mean, we we're sitting there at record highs not that long ago off of what was the largest IPO in history. 
the market had run 6% in a period of about six weeks. So it was looking overextended, and, and then you get some of these worrisome-sounding headlines on the geopolitical front that uh, provide that convenient excuse to go ahead and, uh, and take some profits after a very big run. Speaking of that geopolitical front, it kind of seems out of nowhere that Hong Kong is starting to riot. Not, eh, not riot, protest. Yeah. Um, Chinese authority over their their state, per se. Um, where, how did that story happen so fast, and is it all that important? Right. Well, well, thank you for pointing that out, because that was my perspective on it, too. You know, last week, um, you know, the market was obviously uh, quite volatile. Uh, you had several down days. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, near 2% drop, at, you know, in the Dow uh, one of those days. And, and on that day, there were probably upwards of about 12 reasons that were cited for why the market did what it did. And not one of those reasons included uh, protests in Hong Kong, or even the potential for protests in Hong Kong. So um, knowing that and seeing what did transpire over the weekend and now how it's front and center, you know, makes me think that it's really, uh, well, it's, it's an interesting story, obviously. Um, as it relates to the stock market, um, I think it's really being overplayed right now as a, as a catalyst for selling interests. Um, but that goes back into this idea that you've had a big run, right? market made a nice move in a short period of time. We're at the end of the quarter here, and a headline like that just kind of gets everyone all worked up and, uh, and some of the TV uh, pundits all worked up, and it just creates that uh, opportunity to go ahead and, and take some money off the table. But, um, but I'm not seeing it at this juncture anyway as the, you know, the real fear factor that's going to undo uh, this bull market run that we've been seeing persist for so long now. I think one of the stories that I'm seeing out there in the last maybe month, three weeks, is the stronger dollar, weaker euro, weaker ruble. Um, how, as a market analyst, Mr. O'Hare, are you approaching these kind of shifts or the shift into the stronger dollar? Right. Well, uh, I think we discussed that a little bit last week, and you, you, know, you certainly have to be um, – uh, appreciative of the the risk of a of a rising dollar and and how that's going to play into the translation effects for U.S. multinationals doing business in those areas where the, those local currencies have weakened considerably, i.e., uh, the yen and and the euro. Um, so what you try to do is, is assess which companies might have the most exposure. But uh, the thing to remember about <clears throat> the dollar argument too is that you know a lot of companies don't you know they they have hedging programs in place to help mitigate the effects of currency exchange volatility. So uh, while every one of these U.S. multinational companies will state in their 10-K filings that, you know, the currency is a risk factor, and that's true, uh, they also state at the same time, though, that they, you know, employ steps to help offset that some of that um, that adverse uh, effects of the translation issues. So, um, but you are going to see, hear it mentioned uh, increasingly as a risk factor. I think as it relates to the guidance these companies are going to be providing for the fourth quarter and even into the early part of next year, particularly if the the dollar strength persists. Um, most of the weakening in the euro uh, has uh, occurred in the latter half of the third quarter, so it's not uh, as much of a negative factor for the third quarter reports that we're going to be hearing shortly. Uh, but if, uh, as it relates to the <clears throat> uh, fourth quarter, though, it will come into play. And so, you, you know, I, you do, you look for those companies that might have added exposure to, to the 
to the euro. Um, in my big picture column this week, I did screen for S&P 500 companies that do have significant exposure there, which we defined as more than 30% of their revenue coming from either specifically Europe or the European Middle Eastern Africa segment, which a lot of companies categorize to capture the, the European sales as well. And we came up with 16 companies that uh, derive 30% or more of their uh, uh, revenue from there and would need to be watched carefully in terms of what they're saying about their uh, respective outlooks. Anything that you're working on right now that should bring uh, to our attention? Well, uh, earnings, you know, we are, okay. we're kind of in that period here. Uh, we're going to start hearing pre-announcements probably pick up, you know, as we get into the first two weeks of the four- fourth quarter, and then you have the actual reporting period for the third quarter begin in earnest in the latter half of October. And so uh, what I'll be working on is, is an earnings preview for the third quarter um, uh, that should be posted sometime later this week, perhaps early next week. Uh, but that is uh, what's in, on my radar. And, of course, I'll also be watching what we hear out of the ECB later this week, as well as the employment report on Friday. Any commentary for me on how small caps are so different than large caps, and they seem to be breaking down. Is that a buying opportunity? Is it telling you something? Is there any commentary on what you're seeing in the small cap action? Yeah, it's, it's perplexing, admittedly. Um, you know, we hear all uh, time and time again about how the U.S. economy is the best place to be right now. Things are picking up here, um, and uh, and that you should, you know, try and avoid some of this foreign exposure by playing those companies that don't have any exposure uh uh, internationally, and that should play into the strengths of the small cap issues, which are largely, you know, uh, do business here in the United States. But it does uh, make me think or ponder the idea that, you know, maybe they are a canary in the coal mine, really, in terms of as it relates to the outlook for the United States. Maybe it's not as robust as a lot of people want to believe it's going to be uh, in coming uh, months, and some of that uh, concern might be priced into this, uh, uh, the Russell 2000 and the pullback we're seeing in those small cap stocks. I'm not saying that's what the issue, what it is specifically, but it is something that's, uh, that I'm contemplating and, and I'm watching carefully and, and hopefully we'll have a little bit more perspective on uh, the other side of the orange reporting period. Any hopes that Congress and the president start working together and somehow get some sort of like infrastructure bill passed to really help our economy? Any hopes or... We're not yeah, in that world anymore. Well, uh, certainly not in the near term. I mean, the midterm elections are coming into focus, and it's going to be, you know, some dirty <laughs> politics, I think, leading up to that, you know. Uh, and then, of course, if, if the outcome of that election shows that the GOP has won control of both houses, um, uh, it will really get interesting because then President Obama's obviously going to have to be considering, you know, what he might need to do in the final two years of term to try and preserve his uh, his own presidential legacy, and then at the same time, what the GOP is going to be starting to think about, you know, how they might be able to take control of the White House in 2016. So it's not, I'm not feeling all that hopeful right now, um, uh, but uh, and there certainly hasn't been any recent precedent to suggest we should be feeling all that hopeful as it relates to uh, congressional and presidential dealings. Thanks very much. That is Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Briefing.com is a website that I start my daily routine on Um, when it comes to financial news media information investing I think they're the best out there as far as independent live market analysis of US international equity markets Uh, I think you learn quite a bit and uh, they cover basically everyone it's a solid website that is a little 
intimidating and that, that does offer something for everyone, whether it be swing trading, technicals, data intensive, economic insights, bonds, briefings from the Fed, briefings on rates, uh, open stock market commentary, uh, economists, and much, much more. Very solid site, briefing.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.